Good morning. Have a seat. Let me say a prayer for us. Dear Father, thank you so much that you are a God that we can count on. Thank you that you are a God we can turn to for hope. I pray that you would speak to us in your good word this morning. I pray that you would encourage our hearts, strengthen our minds, give us all that we need to be fruitful and live a life that's pleasing and honoring to you. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, I've been reading a book by a woman named Lisa Turkhurst. I don't know if you've heard of her before. I've heard her speak. Girl has lived some stuff. And she wrote this book called Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. And she says it's a book about loving people in right and healthy ways. And I want to give you just a quick synopsis because there's a cool idea in it that really I've been, I just, I can't get away from. I keep thinking about it. Here's what she says in the book. She says, to love and be loved is to be enveloped in the safest feeling I've ever known. To cause hurt and to hurt, be hurt, is to be crushed with the scariest feeling I've ever known. In different ways, with different people, to varying degrees, she said we know the multifaceted complications of love and heartbreak. We dream of the best, we dread the worst, and we keep trying to figure out how to do relationships right. She said, this is where healthy boundaries come in. We set boundaries so we know what to do when we very want much want to love those around us really well without losing ourselves in the process. She said love should be what draws us together, not what tears us apart. And usually where there's an abundance of chaos, there is a lack of good boundaries. So she says in relationships, she has this idea that she talks about access and responsibility. And this is the thing that just kept bubbling up in my mind. Here's what she said. I've realized when we allow someone else access to us, think about the people in your life, emotionally, physically, financially, mentally, should we need to require them to be responsible with that access? If I give someone level 10 access, but they only have the willingness or capability to demonstrate level three responsibility, relationship tension will exist. Trust will erode and frustration will be ever increasing. Let me give you an example that she gives. Now imagine when you trust somebody with access to your bank account, right? Not everybody gets access to your bank account. Not that there's a ton in there to pull from, but it's what you need. And if you give them, you should be able to trust that they're not going to steal your money. They're not going to use your debit card to pay for things you didn't approve of them to pay for or put you into debt with irresponsible choices. But she said, sadly, this happens, and not just financially with our money, but with our emotions, with our capacity, and with our time. She said, we give people level 10 access when they only demonstrate level three responsibility. And what happens is we find ourselves frustrated and exhausted by the gap that we're experiencing between the two. So she says, instead of feeling stuck where you can't, have you been in a relationship? You can't control the choices of other people, right? They're going to do what they're going to do. She said, we can reduce access to match the level of responsibility they're capable of. And that solution is called a boundary. She says, setting a boundary is being responsible enough to reduce the access we grant to others based on their ability to be responsible with that access. She said, I've made the mistake of trying to put boundaries on another person, hoping to increase their level of responsibility, right? I'm going to boundary them into doing better. Maybe you've done this before. Maybe you don't want to admit it. That's fine. But it never works, right? We can't boundary people into more responsibility. 
but we can make healthy choices that allow us to love people well without losing the best of who we are in the process. She says, love can be unconditional, but relational access never should be. And that's what boundaries help us tr protect. So we can be the people God has called us to be. Boundaries, listen, she says, help protect trust and cultivate the hearts towards one another that God always intended us to have. Motivate, yeah, Gio agrees, amen, I get you. It helps us motivate towards real love and away from selfishness. Now, this tension of access and responsibility, I want us to hold on to that because we can love other people and we can be kind, right? That's who God's created us to be. But not everybody deserves 100% access 100% of the time. And we get to decide and choose what that is going to look like. We can love others well, like she says, without losing the best of us. So I want to look again at the words of Jesus Christ that we find in John's Gospel, in John chapter 15. I want to hold this idea with us as we think through this big idea. This is what he says, starting in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So whatever you ask in the name of my Father, in my name the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So remember the context of Jesus saying this. He's given us this metaphor, the vine and the branches, right? A way of thinking about relationships. Vines and branches are connected. They share deep unity, a common life, a common bond. Christ is the vine. We are the branches. To grow and be healthy and live fruitful lives, we have to stay connected to him. Connected to Christ, I can bear fruit that lasts. Not just being productive, right? Productive is what I can do. Fruitfulness is what God can do through us. So this metaphor still holds into what we're going to talk about now. Christ commands us, what does he say? Remain in my love, to keep growing in his love. And he says, you do this by keeping his commandments. And then he says, what do I command you? Love each other as I have loved you. And I love this because Jesus has been talking about this. You can trace this back a couple of chapters. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Love isn't a new command. You can trace it all the way back to the beginning. But Jesus adds this qualifier. So when we think about how we love one another, we think about Christ. Love in the context of how Christ has loved us. That's the command that he's given us. Now remember, he's sitting down, he's hanging out with his disciples. He knows what's going to happen. He knows where the road is leading. He's giving this important teaching to his friends. They've seen him. They've spent time with him. They've learned from him. They've sat at his feet as he shares these incredible ideas about God and himself. They saw how he treated people around them. 
the way he taught them and included them, how he loved and healed and helped and served and eventually would give his life for them. We see the service of Christ in his love of people. We see the grace of Christ in how he interacted with them. We see the humility and service of Jesus Christ in giving his very life on the cross that all who know him might be saved. Here's what's interesting about Christ. When Christ looked at people, he wasn't put off by differentness. There was just as many different people in his day as there is today. Christ wasn't held back by weirdness or offness. He didn't just stop with the people that it was easy to be around. He moved towards hurting, broken people. He moved towards people with problems. He moved towards people that other people had moved away from, people who were different than him, people that other people were scandalized, like the Son of God would never hang out with people like that. And then he did, right? That's how Jesus moved towards people. And it's how he loves and moves towards us today. He seeks us out, pursues us. And what did he say? Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Christ says, look, remain in my love. You remain in my love by obeying my commandments. What's the greatest commandment? Remember, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. We know what it's like, how we want to be treated. That's the golden rule. Treat people the way we want to be treated. And then Christ ups the end and he says, okay, not just how you want to be loved, but then as I have loved you, you love other people. When it's messy, when it's not easy, when it's a little bit weird and hard, lives that are messy aren't easy, correct? Like we've been around it. There's awkwardness. There's some off-puttingness. You got to dive into the mess. I love um, the writer and speaker and the lawyer, Bob Goff. He says, God's idea isn't just that we would give and receive love, but that we would actually become love. People who are becoming love see the beauty in others when their off-putting behavior makes for a pretty weird mask. He wants us to love everybody always and start with the people who creep us out. The truth is, we probably creep them out as much as they do us. So God's end game has always been the same. He wants our hearts to be his. He wants us to love the people near us and love the people we've kept far away. To do this, he wants us to live without fear. Jesus saw loving God and loving our neighbors as one inseparable mandate, and he knew we couldn't love God if we don't love the people he surrounds us with. He said there's no school to learn how to love your neighbor, just the house next door. No one expects us to love them flawlessly, but we can love them fearlessly, furiously, and unreasonably. Isn't that good? Like, God's like, I don't want you to go love perfectly, right? I can do that. I got that part covered. I want you to just go love, love people like I've loved you. And he loved us by including us and serving us and being humble with us. And he sets the standard of people are different. We're different. People are weird. We're weird, right? There's no exception to it. We all are. And yet Christ moved towards us and loved us. So how do we take off the masks of weirdness that we put on and move towards people to love as who, how he loves us? And I love this. It says, how does a friend love, right? Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for a friend. And then he lived that. He demonstrated that. 
But Christ could have used any qualifier here, but he calls us friends. How do we know that we're friends with Jesus Christ? What does he say? We love one another. Any word that Christ could have used here would have fit. He's Jesus. He's God, right? There's a whole dictionary of language even beyond ours. He could have picked any qualifiers, but he calls us friend. I love the Psalm of King David. He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. I mean, that's the awesomeness of thinking about the God of everything calling us friend. The one who spoke everything we know into existence. My life, your life, all that we know, the world that we call home. He thinks of us. He cares for us. He includes us. We aren't slaves. You can study all kinds of religions, and you can see, like, all these different creation mythologies about, like, maybe you took the class somewhere in college about, like, different religions, and there was a creation, and here's all the creation accounts of how the world was created. Every time you read a story about some god somewhere creating humanity, people are created from strife from war, from violence. They're created so that the gods have somebody to serve them. Blood is spilled and humans come up out of the earth, right? Every account except one. The God of creation creating humanity, not because he needed from us, but because he wanted to share with us. God already existed in community. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have existed in unity and joy and love and friendship for as long as we can even imagine, and then more. And when God created us, he created us in his image to share that joy, to share that community, to share that friendship with us. We aren't slaves. We aren't even servants or employees, but friends. There's a difference between a boss and a friend, isn't there? If you've had a job, you've had a boss before. Your boss tells you what to do, and if you want to keep your job, if you want to get your paycheck, You do what the boss tells you to do. We hope for a good boss. Sometimes we get them. Even if we have a bad boss, we still have to do the work because that's what the situation requires, right? But friends are different. Friends aren't the bosses telling you what to do. Friends open up with each other. They include each other. They let each other in. They take off the mask and show you what they're like. Christ lets us in. We get to know him. Why in the world would God write himself into the story of humanity? Why in the world would Christ step in to our worldly mess except to reveal himself to us, to share himself with us, to give us access to him? Because through Christ, we know the heart of God. We know a way we never could have made up on our own. He gives us access, but then what's the responsibility that he gives us? To love others, right? To love him with the best of ourselves and then love others the way he has loved us. He gives us all this access to who he is and includes us into this awesome history and story that he's been telling for all of eternity. And then he gives us this responsibility. We're part of the adventure to love God with the best of ourselves and then love people the way he has loved us. 
to take what Christ has shared in us and share it with others, to use the grace that's made all the difference in my life and yours and share that with others. That's the model that Christ creates for us, which means to love others well, we have to give access to ourselves. We have to open up. We don't have to give full access to everybody, right? There are boundaries, and those are healthy. But we need to give full access to some, the right people that we can give, who can be counted on to have responsibility with that access. So to do that well, what Christ has taught us to do, I'm going to give us two really good ideas. And I learned them from the teaching of our friend Timothy Keller. God bless him. He's with Jesus now. I'm so thankful for the heart of faith this man has had. He's had a huge influence on my life. All right, here's two things that he gives us, and I think they're so awesome. The first one he says is vulnerable transparency. They're good. They're not easy, so hang with me for a second. Real friends open up to each other, right? They share with each other. They include each other in their lives, not like the persona, but the real you. Girls, messy kitchen, no makeup on your face, you, that's what your friends get to see, right? Guys, I know you have a messy part. I can't say it as well, but you know what I'm talking about. Okay, that's who we give access to, not just the fake person we want everybody to see, but the messy behind-the-scenes self, that real person we are. We let other people in. We give help to others when they need it. But look, we're vulnerable enough to ask for help when we need it to. Real friends ask for help, and they give help when it's needed. But to be transparent means to be seen through, right? If the window is transparent, I can see through to the other side. It's not cloudy. It's not guarded. There's nothing preventing the way I see through. you got to take down walls and let people see into who you really are. And that does require vulnerability. And let's be honest, being vulnerable is not easy. We see other people being vulnerable like, man, they're so strong. That's so awesome. The second we let ourselves be vulnerable, have you ever done this before? You're like, I feel like the stupidest, stupid person in the whole entire world, right? Like, I want to shrink embarrassingly inside myself. I can't believe I said that out loud. It's awkward to be vulnerable. It's awkward to share parts of yourself because you don't know what people are going to do with it or what they're going to think about you, and it feels silly. But to build solid, healthy relationships, we have to give access. We have to ask for help. We have to let other people see the cracks in the facade. I'm not perfect. I hope you guys know, you never hear me pretending. I am not perfect. If you see a crack in my facade, that's, that's real, right? We all have them. None of us are perfect. But by the grace of God, we're growing more and more into the people he said we could become, right? By the grace of God, I'm more his girl this year than I was last year. To be better and to grow, friends, we cannot do it alone. The question is, who do you allow yourself to be vulnerable with? Again, not everybody needs full access, but you got to have some. Who are you transparent with? You're not hiding anything. You're not pretending anything. I'm listening to a book by one pastor, and God bless him. He has some very efficient things set up in his life. He's got a handful of people who know every password to every account he ever has. He has all these things locked down on his phone, so there's never going to be. Anybody can pick up his phone and look at anything at any time. Why? Because he wants to live a life that is transparent and vulnerable and protect himself to be the man he believed God has called him to be. Who do you let see the real you? 
Who, who are you vulnerable with? Who are you transparent with? To grow in the kind of relationships that Christ says make all the difference in the world, it requires first vulnerable transparency, but then second, it requires sacrificial loyalty. Remember this metaphor that Christ is teaching us, the vine and the branches. And that word remain, right? Remain in me, remain in my love. Some of your translations might say abide. It's this staying, this growing, this continuing. But you can't pull a branch off of the vine and then try and put it back in. Why? That connection, right? It doesn't work. It's not, it has to stay connected, united. Jesus says, remain in my love, remain in my friendship. As we do that, we are able to maintain healthy relationships with one another. How do we make healthy relationships? Vulnerable transparency, but then look, this sacrificial loyalty takes time. It takes that access that we talked about. It means sticking with each other even through the difficult times. No relationship is easy and happy all of the time. They all hit bumps in the road. There's difficulties, messiness, emotions, and loss, and ups and downs. But every one of us need to know there are people that we can weather the storms with, right? Life is going to come, and it's going to be stormy, but there are people in our life who will be constant, who will be there by our side no matter what. On our best day, on our worst day, on our in-between days, which are most of the days, right? They're all in. Even if it costs them something sometimes, they're in. Even though they might get banged up in the storm of our life, they're in. Look, we need that from other people, but friends, we need to be that for other people as well. We need to give that of ourselves to other people. We need to be committed to some people in the kind of way they know. I'm not going anywhere. I'll give what's required. I'm in. Can be counted on. I'm going to stick with you. We are your people no matter what. You can count on me. This is the kind of relationships that God created us for. The kind that, remember the words, we can love others without losing the best of ourselves. We can love in the kind of way that allows us to be vulnerably transparent and sacrificial loyal. Sacrificially loyal. All right, think about this. Transparency can be scary, right? We've been hurt before. We've been heartbroken before. We've been disappointed before. Somebody we thought we could count on failed, and it was not pleasant. We've been crushed and disappointed. Loyalty can be draining. I love my people, you love your people, but doing life with others, it's not easy. It's going to cost you something. On the best of days, it takes a toll, let alone when your people are going through something you can't fix and you just got to love them through the storm. It takes a toll. And the only way we can stick with either of these ideas over the long haul, please hear me, is through Jesus Christ. When we remain in him, his love, his strength, we grow. We aren't out there trying to be the branch on our own. We aren't out there trying to weather the storms disconnected from the vine. Connected to the vine, we grow and we're fruitful. And our relationships become one of the most beautiful places that God can do an incredible work in us and through us.
when we remain connected to Jesus Christ, we are able to love with transparent vulnerability and sacrificial loyalty. And Christ shows us the way. Look at the life of Christ. How far was he willing to go in his loyalty for us? How far did he become vulnerable on our behalf? Took it all the way to the cross. The greatest act of friendship when Christ gave his life for us on the cross. The friendship he shares with us is the gift that he shared with us when he gave his life on the cross. And that beautiful vulnerability and loyalty, Christ says, now go love other people. Here's the challenge. Who are you growing with? Who are you doing life with? Who sees you and knows you, the real you? Who has access to your time, to your capacity, to the love that you have to give? See, the church is God's incredibly good idea. Not for us to just be this, like, little bubble against the world, but where we get to come in and do life with each other, where we get to grow and connect and serve and have community and have fun and go through the hardships of life with each other. And if we aren't developing relationships in the church where people get to know, look, it's not everybody. Not everybody should have access to you, and you shouldn't have access to everybody. But some, a few, a group of people that you can count on will make all the difference in the world. And if we don't have that in the church life, we're missing a huge part of what God wants to do in us and through us. I've shared with you, I love this idea from Don Carson. He said, the church itself is not made up of natural friends. It's made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything else of that sort. Christians come together because they've all been loved by Jesus himself. They are a bond of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. That's the church. That's God's good idea that when we come together connected to the love of Jesus Christ, we're bound together in that love. And though there's a hundred things about us to separate us, we are united because the same Christ who calls me friend calls you friend. The same Christ who gave his life for me gave his life for you. And that love, that friendship draws us together maybe the very place where God wants to be fruitful in your life is through the relationships that you can grow and cultivate and serve others here in the church. Maybe the place where you get to know the love of Christ differently and the joy of community happens when you bind together with people you maybe never would have been friends with, but here you are, united in faith and in Jesus Christ. I heard this idea. You are the average of the five people closest to you. So if you look at your life, right, you are who you hang out with. You become more and more. If you know my people, you've seen my sisters. We all talk alike, have mannerisms. Some of our voices are hard to separate. Right? You become more and more like the people you spend time with. 
So if you're wondering where you rank, look at the five people closest to you. How healthy are they? How unhealthy are they? How strong are they? How weak are they? All of the things that you're trying to grow in, are they growing in? Okay, this doesn't mean cut people out of your life. What it means is maybe you need to include some other people who are trying to grow in the ways that you are trying to grow. Maybe it means we need more Christ in our life to be the friend who guides us in all that we do. Because the more I am friends with Christ, the more I become like him. The more Christ shines out of me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, mercy, self-control become evident because of who I'm friends with. As we grow in him, we grow in our ability to do relationships that allow us to love others well without losing the best of who we are. And we get to know a life that is fruitful and joyful because of who he is and what he's done. Dear Father, I pray that you would help us. I recognize the amazing gift it is to know your friendship and your love. I thank you for the ways that Christ has given us access to you. I thank you, Father, that you found us and brought us into your circle. I pray that our hearts would be open to your direction today, that, Father, we would grow in relationships with others, that, Father, this access and responsibility would be the very place that you could grow in us and our life and our joy and our love would be complete in you. Help us to build the kind of relationships, Father, that don't just do a good work in us, but do a good work in the church and the community and in the world. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.